Hello and welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, the show where I, Jeff, go through each one of Hitchcock's movies chronologically. It makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, I actually have have brought on a guest, the second ever two-time guest from Budget Arcade, Crossing Streams, and uh, Policing. It's Mark. (laughs) What's going on? Man, I'm excited to not do this alone. I always, it just <laughs> how, and I how dare you drag me into your misery? Listen, I, uh, we 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 chatted briefly uh, over I am, and it sounded like you didn't enjoy this one. <laughs> this this was a you know this wasn't as all right. This film is let, let is, me set the stage. It's not good. We. We, Lord help me. Have you learned nothing from doing? You don't. You don't just come a flat. Actually, I do it all the time. Um, okay. So, Mark, we watched from 1938, "The Lady Vanishes." Um, this is one for some reason, and I don't know how this got in my head, but the movie "The Thirty Nine Steps" and "The Lady Vanishes" kind of somewhere in my history came across. I think I got like a DVD box set and I never ended up watching them, but I always associated them with being sort of uh, lesser known, popular Hitchcock movies. It's not your birds or your psycho, but for those that love Hitchcock, these are kind of for the life of me. Popular. I, I can't understand why this particular film is as popular as it is, other than the fact it was Hitchcock's last British film, I I don't. I didn't know that you're breaking news to me because I was wondering when we when I start to get to his American films, and so that's the next one, Jamaica Inn. Then I guess. Yeah. No. Because like. Hey there, everyone. Editing room Jeff here, just jumping in real quick to say Mark's actually wrong here. Uh, this is not the last British film from Hitchcock. It's our next film called Jamaica Inn. Just fixing that in post. Now back to our show. I had never, you know, obviously never seen this movie. I've heard about it. I've never had interest in watching it. Um, You know, Margaret Lockwood is a pretty, pretty well-known name in early British cinema. Um, Let me tell you, she's a stunner in this. She is. She's uh, She's she's, gorgeous. Oh, yes. Um. And, and so the, the, the surprising fact to me is that this is the only film that her and Hitchcock worked on together, which was super surprising. I figured that she would she'd pop up in maybe some of one of his uh, middle films uh, as an older, um, you know, middle aged actress, but she never did. She this was her only Hitchcock film. Hmm. And so the thing to me is she always, she looked really familiar to me. And I think she kind of reminds me of Vivian Lee, who famously was in Gone with the Wind as the right. lead. Um, But I thought she's great in this movie, Margaret Lockwood. Yeah. The, her, the, the performances in this film are, are pretty good uh, for, yeah. they're pretty good for an early, um, you know, a 1930s film. You don't really think about acting as a, you know, um, when when you think about early cinema, you don't really think acting stands out. You think maybe production design or, um, you know, 
just the tonality of the film, but uh, the performances in this in this movie stood out to me more so than anything else. I agree. I really so uh, you you've obviously mentioned you didn't like it. I actually really enjoyed this movie, but I've also sat through twenty something old Hitchcock movies, so I might expectations on what makes a good movie might be warped uh but that's okay because there's one thing that apparently back in the day with these older movies people would buy a ticket after the movie started right so they would go into the theater mid-movie you know it was just what they did nobody so that's kind of why later on in 1960 for psycho hitchcock makes such a big deal about you're not going to be admitted to the theater unless you get in before the movie actually starts and that created like viral marketing and he's kind of ahead of his time on that but i noticed something in a lot of the movies i've been watching is like the first 30 minutes of these movies are so dull and the first 30 minutes of this movie are just boring yeah yeah so you know this this movie the i think one of the biggest hang-ups i had with this movie was that it it didn't know what type of movie it wanted to be um you know it builds itself as a thriller you know mystery but then it's it's also got a lot of uh, semi-comedic moments i thought this movie was actually pretty funny there's several moments i found funny um so the the two protagonists are obviously um margaret lockwood's uh iris matilda henderson michael redgrave plays a character named gilbert redmond they are fantastic they have tremendous on-screen chemistry uh and i think it's because they're both pretty good actors like there's this sort of they're reluctantly thrown together and i'll briefly run down the plot the plot but they start off in a hotel and they don't like each other because for some reason gilbert is upstairs and he has a band that's stomping around and making noise and keeping <laughs> margaret margaret up at night or iris and so they really don't like each other uh, but through circumstances, she meets a woman named Mrs. Froy, who goes missing. And then everyone around says, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. We never saw this lady. And essentially, the only person who gives her the time of day is Gilbert. And they tend to grow to like each other over time. And I think it's really convincingly done. I think that she's really annoyed with him for the first half of this movie. And she slowly becomes less annoyed with him. And then uh, about the time, if you remember when they're in the cabin with all the magic trick stuff, yeah. she really starts to come around and she does it so subtly in her acting that when they're initially, when he's sort of poking at her and joking in her direction, she really gets annoyed. But then like in this m middle part of their relationship, it starts to turn where she pokes back and they start to kind of, I thought their relationship was extremely convincing. Yeah. The, their chemistry was, was fantastic. Uh, even though that there was some, these early, early movies are, are weird to me for like just acting choices. Um, and how they, and how actors would carry out either, dialogue or uh maybe some improvisation 
as far as uh, the the route that they would go for a particular scene. Like there, there's a scene in um, early on uh, in the in the movie where, and I think <laughs> you you really buried the plot. Um, uh, the the film starts in in this hotel and then it moves to a train and that's where mm-hmm. mo- a majority of the film takes place and then yeah. towards the end of the movie it, it they transition to a cabin um and now i want i want to say that first 30 minutes is in that hotel and that's the completely skippable point yes right yes. you can actually chop the first 30 minutes off of this movie and i think that that's a choice for the times that's why i mentioned people coming in late to movies is you can come in a half hour into this movie and as long as they aren't on the train yet you're perfectly fine the to me the real story starts uh where our protagonist iris gets hit on the head and it starts to call in questions about the validity of her memory right so if as long as you start the movie at that point you're pretty much good to go, and and I think the the first thirty minutes, um, you know, we're introduced to these two, um, oh, these two characters, and the I cricket think, fans, yeah, the the cricket fans, I love them, yeah, no, their their expression throughout the entire movie was me watching this movie, um, you know, they like these two actors, they just deadpan to the camera every every chance that they get, and it's like they're extremely bored. Um, they're extremely annoyed with everybody that's on in the hotel on the train. Um, they're they're just they're fed up the entire movie, and really that was me watching this is because there was so many questionable plot decisions uh, for this movie. It turn it turns into a uh, like a uh, an, an international like spy. Yeah, th- you know, it just it it it's weird. It's weird that Hitchcock made these decisions to, I guess, formulate his his movie this way. Um, it's because there's a there's a gigantic um, uh, gunfight at the end of the movie, and uh, there it just it was weird. But the but those two act those two characters are, are kind of what saved it for me. Kind of what kept me kept me engaged because like oh mm-hmm. i like those guys i want to see what they what they come up with next and um you know there was a uh, get to get back to my point um from just a few minutes ago the where some improvisation come comes about with these early films is that uh lockwood's character and redgrave's character they're they're on the train and they they discover the guy in the box what a, I, don't, I don't even I don't even remember. How. I don't know his name. <laughs> the, there's like, so there's like a magician. So like the story is, is Iris, um, Margaret's character is sharing a train cabin with like six people. It felt like, I think it's more like five. And one of them was Mrs. Freud. And she goes missing after, um, Margaret Lockwood takes a nap. And then nobody seems to know, what she's talking about everyone pretty much denies ever seeing her even people she knows have seen her and there's a doctor on board who is like a neuro doctor like he's the perfect guy to discuss this with and he's like well you know you had head trauma it's possible that you're just misremembering and even to the point where she gives in to that says oh i must have been but then she sees physical evidence that reminds her of interactions she's had with mrs Freud. 
along the way. And she's able to present it. Well, it kind of ends up in um, Gilbert's lap as well. And they that's when he believes her. And then they go on their adventure. And there's the, the people in her cabin are pretty suspicious of one of which is a magician. And they find all his stuff. One of my favorite scene really is the scene in the back of the train where all this magic stuff is. Yeah. Because they have their best banter. Uh, this is really when she starts to turn and starts to like Gilbert. One of the things I like too is he's not a misogynist. <laughs> like in these old movies, they're almost always like, uh, "You're you're crazy. You're a woman. You don't know what you're talking about." And uh, he just seems to like her and the way he just expresses himself is by being you know the little boy that runs up and uh you know makes fun of the cute girl but at some point she realizes this and she pokes back and that's really when they start to well they they end up in this, enjoy each other's company they end up you know in this in this train car with all the magicians uh stuff and they end up having a, a, a fight <laughs> with this. The fifth worst fight in cinema history. <laughs> if uh, if you've listened to every episode, but I think you've listened to most of them. Yeah. You know I have two running things. The worst fight in cinema history, and this is the fifth worst, I think. Might be the fourth. I can't remember. I've lost count. And also, white people dancing. And you get to see that in the hotel. <laughs> Check all What'd the, you think this, of This movie checks all the boxes. Now, I'm not crazy, though, right? This fight no. wasn't particularly great. It looked like competitive hugging. And then um, you saw the white people dancing. <laughs> and that wasn't anything to write home about either. <laughs> the, but that you know brings me to the, the improvisation of the acting in these early movies is that this, this fight was not choreographed at all um it, it was it, it was it was pretty much these three actors just kind of pushing each other around and you can see it in some of the in some of the scenes in this fight that like lockwood like kind of looks maybe like she's looking at hitchcock maybe or you know f looking for a cue uh, about what to do in this movie uh in this in this movie scene and I just thought that was that to me that was comical is because mm -hmm. these these early films were not I mean they had a they had a plot and they had a script but each scene wasn't really there was no storyboard I don't think for mm. for each scene of of these early movies and uh, it would that that particular scene just stood stood out to me uh, because of. <laughs> the ridiculousness of it all um yeah but you know the um you know transitioning to where where the film goes and why i i i didn't enjoy it it was mainly because the movie transitioned so it, it was almost like it was running the gamut of different genres um, mm -hmm. and it didn't know where it wanted to to land. It didn't know if it wanted to be a romance. It didn't know if it wanted to be a uh, a com like a romantic comedy. It didn't know if it wanted to be a uh, you know a spy thriller. Um, and the villain in this movie kind of reminds me of that. What's that old vampire movie? Um, Dracula. Is it Dracula? <laughs> I don't know. 
It might be. I don't no, know. No, I can see that. Um, but, but he he does yeah. he he looks like he he he's he's a very villain looking character. I think he was great. Yeah. No. He. I mean, it was. He was playing. I mean, it was played up. Uh, but yeah. you know, um, he's got an assistant who is supposed to be this deaf mute nun, and and she's not really deaf or mute, and she's wearing high heels. <laughs> <laughs> it's just which this, comes up several times. It's just, it was it was ridiculous. The whole the whole movie is ridiculous, and I'm like, how does how does Hitchcock go from these movies to the eventual, you know, mass you know modern masterpieces that we know of, you know, in his later career? It's yeah, it's well, crazy. So it, there, this plot is a bit difficult to follow because. Mrs. Freud is an older woman. She's elderly. She's kindly. She's great, really well performed. I think she's, you kind of root for her and like her. And even though she's a bit talkative, she's kind of one of those talkative older ladies that you're like, all right, you're, you're talking too much, but you're way too nice for me to say anything about it, Yeah. to tell you to shut up and get out of here. Um, but there's like this whole subplot where they have to make a stop and they bring in a patient for this brain doctor. But at some point, that's where there's this switch where the person who is and they're wrapped up like a mummy, this patient just gauze everywhere, I guess, to hide their identity. And at some point, they swap Mrs. Freud for the person who was initially wrapped up. And she sort of fills the role of Mrs. Freud is like dressed the same kind of to emphasize where margaret's confusion came in but the whole time you're like why is do they want this older woman and you find out that she's a spy and there's germans involved and we're getting into uh the world world war ii here so germany is the the villain in just about everything film wise uh and then there's a shootout, which, I, oh, man, we didn't talk enough about the cricket fans, but we'll get back to them. <laughs> but there's the shootout, uh, and someone gets the, like, this German general gets on board, and he starts to negotiate their surrender. And then Gilbert plow, like, just hits him with a chair, and the chair shatters. It's awesome. <laughs> um, I love it. Like, <laughs> I love stuff like that. I, it just, it warms my heart. Uh, and then you find out that, you know, she isn't a spy. <clears throat> she takes off running. Yeah. That, that, was, that woman. was weird. That was, I mean, <laughs> she well, gonna, she's like, I, I can't stand. She, she passes. So it she turns out she's a spy and she has this information that is translated in a piece of music, which I don't understand, but okay. She hums it to Gilbert who memorizes it and takes off running to get away from these Germans. I'm just going to finish the plot of the film. We, there's plenty to talk about still because I got to get into these cricket fans. They're awesome. <laughs> um, and then Gilbert and Margaret, there's this uh, trained thing where they're riding a train and they're getting away from the bad guys and all that stuff. And they finally get back to this office where they're supposed to de deliver the message, this tune. And Gilbert has forgotten it, but not to worry. Mrs. Freud is inside and she's delivered the message. That's the plot. It's a little tough to follow, but... Once I kind of got on board, I, I was good. And I was entertained for the, the last hour enough to, to be fine with it. But let's talk about these cricket fans. Yes. The the, the marks of the movie. They're, they're, yes. Like you said, they're annoyed to be there. All they want to do, their entire subplot 
hinges on going to watch this major cricket match. And if you don't know what cricket is, it's weird baseball. Um, it's, and it's, it's flat board baseball. It's really weird. I, I don't fully understand it, but there's, yeah. They even get asked. They have seen this Mrs. Froy who is missing, but they're so desperate to get to the match that they lie about it because they don't want anything to stop them getting there in time. Yeah. And they just, they, they're cranky. They're annoyed. They're great. They help a lot in the gunfight at the end, which makes them even more likable to me. Um, I thought they were awesome. Well, you know, one of them gets shot in the hand. Um, mm. and he, That's a great scene. And he looks down and he's like, oh, I got shot in the hand. Yeah. He's like, hey, I'm going to go out here and try to talk to him. And he walks and he's out in the open. You hear a gunshot. He looks down, doesn't even really react. He looks down at his hand, walks back in, and he's like, uh, yeah, I've been shot, and it's awesome. Man, he's great. And so they have, by the end of the movie, they get to where they're going, and the match was canceled. Right. So nothing works out for these. It's awesome. I loved the cricket guys. Just, just a, a simple subplot that had them develop so f- as fun characters that they anytime they were on screen i was excited to see what they were going to do next they were funny i thought this movie again barring the first half hour was pretty funny i think it and you you talked about all the genres is it a spy thriller is it a comedy is it a a romance and to me it kind of i think it tiptoed that balance kind of well um where i think it did all of them pretty decent i think the spy thriller was probably the weakest part of it but I thought the comedy bits were great, especially, you know, comedy doesn't age well. No, um, right. Uh, I, and I thought uh, there were literal moments where I'm laughing out loud. Some of it probably unintentional, like the chair shot. Um, but some of the writing is really good when he's fighting the guy laying down and he's like, you know, don't just do something, kick him. He had a much more creative line than that. But <laughs> uh, like, I, I really liked it. I, I, th- I think my my hang up with this movie is because it, you're right it was entertaining it's an hour and 35 minutes long but it doesn't seem an hour and 35 minutes it moves very briskly through except for eight, the first half hour well right but like even you got to get on the train but even the first <laughs> half hour is is and and that's all comedy um you mm-hmm. know the first half hour you you're going you know uh, you're introduced to the characters and you're introduced to the the, the ridiculousness of each character um, you know, Redgrave's character, you're introduced because he's, he's, they're dancing and playing, he's playing like this clarinet. Um, and then he just barges into, to Lockwood's right. room and, and she's like, yo, get the f*** out. <laughs> like, oh, can I'll, we, can I'll, we curse on this? Uh, keep it to a couple shits, but right. no <laughs> okay, Sorry. Um, so I'll take that out. <laughs> But uh, you know, he bursts into her room and and she's like, "Get out!" and and that's you know their their first scene together, and um, the it, it moves briskly through each each set. But my my biggest hangup was that for a Hitchcock film, and I I, I haven't watched 
all of these early films. I haven't watched any of these other than the the, the one we did previously. Listen, easy Virtue is is easily one of the worst ones. Like you <laughs> really took one for the team on that one. That one's bad. So like this is a walk in the park, and I think that could be part of why like I sit through this. I'm like, this is good, right? Because you've seen Easy Virtue, but yeah, I've also seen Champagne, which is one of the worst. I've seen Juno and the Paycock. <laughs> I've seen some truly awful stuff. So I get this gym delivered to me. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> so like, I, I, I think, and I'm, and I, cause I've seen a lot of Hitchcock's older films. His famous ones. Right, right. You know, you've seen Birds, Psycho, yeah. Vertigo. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, he, he really did the comedic aspect of this film well. And I think if he had stuck with it being a comedy, and just having these kind of other tropes with it, I think it would have been very different. My my reaction to the film would have been very different. But because it, it did try to have serious aspects, it did try to have some thriller-esque aspects, it it took me out of the it took me out of what it was trying to be. And mm-hmm. um there there's different there's different things here and and like every like I said before every 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 acting the the acting pieces in this film were very good I enjoyed the characters um but like it was just it's different it's it's a different it's different than what you're used to oh I'm not you but uh <laughs> it's different than what I'm used to watching uh I don't necessarily enjoy these older films because of you know the era that i grew up in um of cinema but you know as a as a film you know you know i don't not aficionado but a film buff i i i think you can see in this in this movie where hitchcock is going with his later films um you know, there's there's certain cinematography decisions that are made in this film, like the beginning of the movie. You have this sw- sweeping mm-hmm. uh, over overview of the the hotel and the train station and the locale where where the film starts. Lots of model work, which yeah, I love. Right, and and that that is, and then that, it, so and it goes into the window of the the lobby of this hotel, which is reminiscent of the opening shot in Psycho. Yeah, so you can. You, there's obvious, you know, drawbacks in this film from, well, not not drawbacks, but like you know, early filmmaking decisions that you can see that pop up in in Hitchcock's later filmography, that you're like, wow, you I can definitely see where he, you know, got that or where he mm-hmm. dabbled with that uh, filmmaking decision. So to me, that that's fun. That's a fun, you know, thing to see. Uh, but I just I I didn't enjoy the the plot of this movie, um, and I think that's why I didn't enjoy the movie overall. Yeah, I can see that. Like I said, the plot is a little convoluted, but the characters are done so well. There's so much good in this movie that I kind of am able to get past the weakness of the plot because I enjoyed the characters and the performances so much. Uh, there, like you said, there are a lot of cool shots. There's one where he's hanging out the side of a train. And they use this rear projection shot where most of the train is actually rear projected. And then they have the cart he's actually physically interacting with is in the foreground. And it works 
really well. Like, I mean, that's the thing I take into some of the older movies is trying to realize, sure, this would be no big deal to, to shoot today. But the creativity to go in to make a shot work, such as him climbing on the side of the train and then have another train pass by him while he's on it and have it look good enough to to not take you out of the film is pretty impressive. And I think that there are several shots on the side of the train that I really like. Well, and I, I think that's also a decision that I, I don't know if I, I, I enjoyed because... I wish Hitchcock would have done more with the set that, you know, or the the location of the film. Um, I didn't think he used the the physical aspect of a train enough um, to to move his plot along. Like there was several, you know, several opportunities for Hitchcock to do more with with the set than than I really think he maybe chose to to do like um you know the the entire middle portion of this movie takes place on the train, and so and there were there were different um, train locations like the the fight scene in the, the one of the rear cars or the storage cars or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then you had uh, different uh, train. I'm not familiar with train lingo, but um, you know just different cars where shots took place, but like the the action scene where. Uh, Redgrave's character is on the outside of the train. I wish there was more of that, um, you know, because I think that was really well done uh, f- for mm-hmm. this era of film. And so, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it. Now talking about it, I, I guess I could I could get behind ranking this movie higher than I guess I initially wanted to. <laughs> but yeah. um, the, the the characters are what drive this movie. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful performances. Uh, I I highly rate the movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, like, I was watching it. You had already told me you didn't like it. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good episode then because I can tell Mark he's wrong again. Because I, <laughs> I was with it. Now, it took me a bit to get through that first half hour. Like a stop and start. Like, I'd watch 10 minutes. I'm like, Lord, help me. And then I'd watch 10 minutes more. Come on. And then when they get on the train, okay, now we're going. And once that happened and she started interacting with Gilbert more, that's when the, the movie picked up for me. And I really started to enjoy the performances. Uh, I, I This is probably my favorite one I've watched so far. Um, I watched another one. What was it called? Called Sabotage that I really enjoyed. And I think maybe that might be more. Eh, it's, it's not as good as this. Never mind. No, this is the best one I've watched. So as much as you don't like this movie. Uh, just know that everything I've watched beforehand has been worse. <laughs> no, I, I get some, that. even the good ones like sabotage is a good movie, but it's not as good as this. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. You're you've, you know, you've been watching these movies for a while. And so, you know, when one is better than all these bad ones, you're like, Oh, greatest film ever. So I, I get yeah, it. It's I, I, I will probably watch this one again. I might skip the first 30 minutes, but I, I really, Loved it. So um, for me, it gets a thumbs up. I definitely it's on um, Amazon Prime and I believe it's also on HBO Max. I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could I could I could tell somebody if they're interested in Hitchcock's uh, early films that that this was a entertaining 
film as far as, you know, seeing where he might end up later, you know, what drives his his genre decisions later on in his career. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Sure. Do you regret regret doing this a second time? No, I I think I think this is <laughs> this is a good um exercise in what I can withstand as far as movies go. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, <laughs> Because if I'm, you I'm, really want to test yourself, I'm just no, watch I don't. Judo and the Paycock. Oh no. my gosh! Um, I, I, I can <laughs> I can just listen to your seven minute episode of Hitchcock oh, chronologically. Um, That's a bad one. But no, I, I think I think this is a good exercise in and if you're interested in all, at all in early early film, this this one is is pretty good. And but like. You know, I like to go back after I watch a movie, and I like to read other people's opinions about it. Um, and for the most part, this movie got rave reviews. Um, yeah. You know, from just critics all over the place, and it's got a you know crazy high IMDb rating. Um, and you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with Hitchcock. You know, our yeah, our objective I've seen some utter garbage, and I've seen a couple reviews, and people are like classic Hitchcock. Right, this is great right. to see where the ma- I'm like, this movie, like uh, the one, the episode that comes out before this, is insanely like it has a lot of blackface in it, and, yeah. I, and then nobody mentions it. I'm like, but you got to mention it. I mean, it's uh, like any I had my friend LaKendra on and we discussed blackface and cinema and people just sort of turn a blind eye to the, the bad stuff. And there's a lot of it in his early work and not just socially bad, but just bad filmmaking. Juno and the Paycock is awful. <laughs> well, I, th- I think a lot of those, a lot of, a lot of early cinema, you have to take kind of with a grain of salt. Uh, it's because you, you have to put yourself I think in the in the era of you know what's what was socially acceptable and but it, yeah it, I think you let's not yeah, dive too far right. because I think if you go back and listen <laughs> to my episode with Lakendra she will uh let you know that you're not wrong that you look back but at the same time doing this podcast I am not going to ignore it either. sure no, absolutely. And uh, we get into that, but apparently the... Uh, anyway, I think it, when the, the episode isn't out yet as of the time we're recording, but when it does, Mark, I think you'll you'll enjoy the conversation we have. I, and, um, but but for, for this movie, there's none of that. There's, you right. know, there's, there, not, there's no, like, socially unacceptable, blatantly unacceptable things. Right. Um, and, and the only thing I could point out, and I don't... Honestly, again, I'm a dude, but I didn't particularly have a problem with it because at the point in the movie, they've really started to kind of get used to each other. But when she, he's, they've been drugged or they think they've been drugged and he tells her to work out, like run in place or whatever to keep herself awake so she doesn't fall asleep because of this drug. And she's doing like toe touches. He comes in and slaps her on the rear. And I thought it was a great character moment. I mean, some people could see it misogynistic, but at the point in the movie, they were kind of affectionate enough towards each other that it was fine. You know, I, so that would be the only part that it's not even really borderline. I think it's fine. 
<laughs> but uh, well, you know, uh, uh, that, that was pro- that was probably the the one that stuck out the most to me. Um, but you know, for the for the characters, they were both kind of zany enough to. That was kind of his character. Um, yeah, I think it fit the the both characters, and yeah. she uh, she has no problem letting him like people know when she doesn't like what they're doing. She and in the movie, she I think she responded almost like that stung, but kind of, huh, you know. Yeah, I, I I I really didn't have a problem with it, but yeah, no, that, just the, the, you know, to the point, it's. You know, this movie is is much more tame and smooth sailing than, than oh yeah than some of his his other. There were there are a couple two times in particular watching these movies where my heart just sank, and uh, <laughs> that did not happen in this movie. Um, this is just fun. I yeah. really like it. So I don't want to repeat myself, Mark, sure. but I do want to thank you for coming on and let people know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at I heard you liked. Uh, you can also find my other film uh, movie podcast with our, our boy Elliot uh, with Crossing Streams. You can find that on uh, wherever you find podcasts and, of course, Budget Arcade. Mm, the links will be in the description. I'll assume if you're listening to this, you already know about Budget Arcade. Uh, all right. Well, if you want to get, reach out to me, you can find me on the Discord link in the description, as well as email me at hitchcockchronologically at gmail.com. And uh, so next week, it's going to be the Jamaican Inn. I'm back to being lonely <laughs> and and watching these movies. Yeah, but now, they, they might get better. Oh, they definitely will. Uh, they have been. They've been steadily getting better, I think. There have been dips. Like, the last week's movie was, was not good. But, uh, I mean, hey, I'm looking up. This was a good one. So, <laughs> uh, so join me next week for 1939's Jamaica Inn. Uh, and thanks for listening. Yeah.